0: a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll.
1: Hello, hello, Breaking Banks Europe listeners, and welcome to episode 112. You're stuck with me, Nina Mahante, founder of Blue Money today, but I am really, really excited for this episode because it's something that is very personally relevant to my own life. And today in episode 112, we are going to be speaking about niche banking or niche banking as my American counterparts seem to like to refer to it as. Um, this episode is going to be in two parts and one is going to be more of a kind of trend and setting the scene for you, And then my colleague, MJ, Megan, is going to pick up with an interview with someone building um, a niche banking product for musicians over at Nerve. But to start, I'm super thrilled to welcome our guest today, Rick, from Banking Scene. First question, Rick, please, can you pronounce your surname for us so that I don't have to butcher it?
2: Sure. My surname is Googlebase.
1: There you go. Say that. Yeah, that's quite
2: difficult for English-speaking people. I'm (laughs) told.
1: Indeed, but Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thank you. Would you you mind just giving a quick introduction, um, elevator pitch about yourself, so that our audience knows a little bit more about you?
2: My name is Rick I'm the founder and managing director of um, The Banking Scene, which uh, started as a conference when I worked at a bank myself. So for two years, we, I combined organizing a conference with a full-time job in a bank uh, as a product manager, daily banking. But the moment that we reached about 350 people, I decided to spend the time um more on a professional basis, leave the bank aside. And, and predominantly to get some more um, freedom of speech in creating my personal vision on the future of banking This is the main driver for this banking scene. During the pandemic, um, I needed to adapt. There were no longer conferences, but luckily I created the banking scene after work. Which are weekly virtual roundtable sessions on anything related to banking. And we had many CEOs and other executives from both banks and um, financial services uh, providers and software providers. And coincidentally, last year, purposeful banking was a big part of the central theme um, of our virtual roundtables. And they you get very quickly. To niche banking as well, which I will explain later in this session. I'm super excited to be here because Breaking Banks Europe was very high on my uh, list of to attend um, uh, podcasts one day or another.
1: Perfect. Well, I'm so glad that we got to have you on. I think just to set the scene, if you're active or um, curious about the fintech space. You'll have seen a rise of a lot of B2C fintech groups. Actually, just yesterday um, or Monday, um, Octopus Ventures, based here in the UK, but investing across Europe, um, shared some of their fintech predictions for 2022. And the first uh, group that they referred to was specialty fintech. And so there's a lot of names for what we're going to discuss. But they talked about the first wave of neobanks kind of launching around 2015, 2016. They've all kind of grown up. Many of them are eyeing perhaps an IPO or, you know, taking huge sums of money um, here and there, really hitting their stride. But what they were um, predicting was that we have reached a point that has allowed us to serve um, specialty groups, they called them, but probably will refer to them as niche groups. And we've seen that in the U.S. definitely with um, different neobanks such as Daylight, which serves LGBT plus communities, First Boulevard or Greenwood, which serve the black uh, communities in the U.S. But here as well, um, and you know, we're gonna have an interview with Nerve, but um, I myself, I'm building a proposition for migrant communities. So Rick, I wonder if you could share with us, what is niche banking and and why is it happening now?
2: Well, coincidentally, we had a virtual roundtable on exactly this topic exactly 12 months ago. To me, niche banking is, yeah, what it says, it's focusing your banking activities on a very niche in the market. You could also call it focus banking or, as you say, expertise banking, where... um, a group of people sets up a bank, but really focuses on a very particular segment. Uh, the example that was given last year was um, a bank that our special guests were at that moment building in Switzerland, specifically for dentists. <laughs> Just as an example, um, and today <laughs> we see rise; they're all popping up everywhere. Um, but as such, it's not very new. Uh, I think back of. Um, I contributed to Chris Skinner's new book it will come out in June. Uh, it's digital for good, talking about purposeful banking, etc. And one of the contributors um, next to myself, uh, one of the contributors, uh, they started with a cooperative bank for teachers. It's not yeah. new, it's pretty old and reminded me of another cooperative bank here that started back in the days when women were not able to, go working yet etc so a very long time ago but that bank was really set up to group everyone that needed some kind of insurance and they started building the insurance themselves and that later evolved to a bank big difference with today of course is back then there was no software today there is and software has democratized a lot it's become increasingly cheaper making it a lot more easy to build a bank or at least to build some a banking proposition. I'm not saying they're building a bank. Maybe they're not getting a license. They're looking for a license somewhere else, but they have all the tools available on the market to build a bank proposition at a much lower cost than five to 10 years ago.
1: That's so true. I was actually up in Edinburgh at the end of last year um, and it was like a, a fast fashion store, but the building itself was... Um, the beautiful facade and it said um, like the linen workers bank it was a bank that was for people that actually worked in the linen factories and I thought that was brilliant but there it really goes to show that there is nothing really new under the sun is there there was a time when you had guilds right and you know you had the gold workers guilds and and the glazer guilds and everyone kind of effectively had their own bank. The miners had their own bank in Wales and, you know, all across the country. And similarly, I think we're seeing a resurgence of this. I tend to agree with you that um, what has changed is software. I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, and you're very, obviously very interested in in fintech and and different players in the space, but Mm. You know, are there any particular players that you think are making it easier to not have to necessarily be a bank, but to get a proposition up and running quickly?
2: Absolutely. Then there's the classical banking as a as a service propositions that you have in the market today, and started with fintechs that build this kind of proposition. Now, increasingly more, we also see incumbent banks starting to build that. Um, so, Citiglobal is one example, but recently also starting start promoting their own offering. Right. Um, and I think coming back to the previous question, um, what is also different back then compared to today in terms of niche banking is back then these people didn't have a banking service, so they needed to be served. Today, often these niche banks, um, their clients, their their niche is being served by a bank, but they can do better. And this by focusing on the best possible products, best possible values, and also thinking out of the box, going out of the classical banking and making sure that they can go to these banking as a service um, companies for regular banking activities. That way, being capable of focusing on a lot more value-added services um, like the bank for dentists. They were thinking of uh, on a mid-long term to also build some kind of marketplace where they can purchase all the required tools a dentist needs, but at a much lower price because they can group all the purchases together. And that's where real value can be created by niche banks and a lot less by incumbents because they have too much different troubles to take care of.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's a really interesting segue. What your point there into the opportunities and the challenges that you have if you're serving a niche group of people. Yep. I think you know to lay out what I've seen. Oftentimes, um, with B two C fintech today, people say that you just end up taking venture capital and throw it at Google, at Facebook, and you're using ads and. To be fair, I don't know if it's because I work in fintech or I talk about it far too much, but every other ad on my Instagram is a new fintech company, right? So perhaps having that niche group, that community allows for almost a protected um, um, moat of around your community, right? Mm-hmm. If you know how to distribute to them, then that gives you kind of an edge in the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, though, what you mentioned was very true. Before, it was people who didn't have a bank account, who didn't have services. And now everyone has too many options, perhaps, right? Right. I can open five new bank accounts this afternoon, sat on my sofa. So how do you then become the center of your customer's world how do you become how do you get that coveted role of being where the paycheck goes each month right
3: yeah
2: so
1: i'm curious in, from your perspective rick what do you see as opportunities and
2: challenges i think that's the biggest challenge indeed there is so much going on mm-hmm. and because software gets so cheap it's much easier to start building a bank meaning that there's also a lot more crap in the market so to say mm-hmm. um The main challenge for these niche banks, because their target has already a bank account, is convincing their target to switch from banks. And we know from many challengers how difficult switching is. Most of them, most of these challenger banks, they are a second bank or maybe a third bank, but the salary still goes to the big incumbent because they are the trusted, sometimes evil partner uh, for financial services Mm -hmm. because despite the high charges, the mediocre service, they have proven for years and sometimes decades to be a trusted financial service provider. So that is, I think the biggest challenge and and banks that can successfully prove their relevance for their markets in such a way that customers start referring the bank to others. That's where I think the magic happens. And not just talking about um, uh, some kind of cashback if you bring someone else back, but really like honest feedback from one individual to the other, sharing how good bank A or B is. Mm. Now, one of, because one of
1: the things, sorry, that um, you have an excellent insight to from, especially from your roundtables, but throughout your career you get to speak to a lot of the very senior people, if not executives at large banks, large incumbent banks. And, you know, I think with large incumbent banks, whether because of regulation or um, just shifts in policy, you know, there has been an aggregation where you've got four or five big, really big players in the the UK. We've got the CMA nine, of course, but each country kind of has its main players the big 4 the big 4 right so if you're if you are sitting in you know your tower or working from home whatever but working for one of these really large banks how do they compete you know cuz they are building products that are one size fits all aren't they so how do they solve for this and and How do they serve these niche groups in the way that is tailored and bespoke for these niche communities if they really have to build a product that serves millions?
2: I think the way it is today is it's a one size fits all indeed, but Mm. it's also a size that offers everything. Um, Not tailored to a niche, Mm. but very often good enough. Um, Mm. So if you, as in very particular SME need to decide as a dentist, for example, am I going to go for my dentist bank, which has a very niche offering, or do I go to an incumbent bank that can offer everything from the beginning? That's the choice that you as a customer have to make. And that's where the advantage and the disadvantage lies of big incumbent banks. They They offer everything, but of course the one size fits all. And that is very often compared to, a niche product offering, which is very particular and not always a complete banking offering.
1: Yeah, that's so true, and that's that's one thing that might be more important to people as they realize, you know, an e money license is not the same as a banking license. Probably
2: right. a reason why Revolut started <laughs> as exactly. a bank instead of an e money license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: absolutely. The last thing I wanted to touch on is um we're gonna dip our toes into web three because I think you and I, Rick, we probably have opinions. <laughs> um, but I would I would not go so far as to call myself an expert. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about communities within web three. Um, I was quite fortunate to have been gifted. Um, an NFT of one of the crypto coven witches. Um, and that was very, very nice of that person to gift that, uh, gift it to me. But, you know, the worth of some of these, the, the floor, they call it, of some of these witches is now two ETH, right? And that's far more expensive than, you know, your everyday person can, can actually afford. Mm. I think the other thing, you know, is... There's lots of discords that you can join now, Um, lots of talks of DAOs and distributed autonomous organizations, and they all kind of purport themselves to be communities. So from your perspective, you know, whether you're an incumbent, whether you're crypto curious, whether you're just really enthusiastic about fintech, how do we think about that is there a divide? Is it the same thing, just in Web3? Or how are you thinking about communities in Web3 and how they are different to what is currently happening in niche banking?
2: Honestly, I'm still figuring out the answer to that question. <laughs> we um, all are. <laughs> and I don't really know what direction is going to go. What you clearly see is that Web3 is going, like they are aiming at being more, community-based or even individual-based. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, I think the role of a bank essentially, and we often forget that, is about risk management. Question is, is Web3 going to be enough to um, to manage all the risks that we as consumers or businesses have when lending money or saving money and ensuring that we can get the money back or that in case um, we are lending that the counterparty can be sure enough to get a return on the money they shared. Today, that is, of course, in an old school way managed by banks. Um, I haven't seen yet how that will change um, in the future. There's a lot of theory going on. Um, on the other hand, we had the same point of view uh, in the time that these um Uh, peer-to-peer lending platforms popped up in just the past 12 months that you see one after the other changing their business model because they don't get enough traction. Absolutely. Future will tell. Uh, I think it's still very early to to make a decision about that. And it's clear that that's going to be one of the topics for this year around our virtual roundtables as well as the conferences of the banking scene because I want to know more about it. Yes, there
1: you go. Well, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up here, Rick. Thank you so much for joining me and for giving us an insight into how you're thinking about niche banking, purposeful banking. Um, where can our audience find out more about you and Banking Scene?
2: Um, that would be predominantly LinkedIn um, through my name. Yeah, <laughs> R-I-K-C-O-E-C-K-E-L-B-E-R-G-S. Rick Kuckelbergs, or uh the company name The Banking Scene um or our website. That's Brilliant. where I share every week my opinion or at least the feedback of our virtual roundtable, so also the whole wide world can learn in a curated way what we discussed under Chetama's rules around our virtual table.
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you again for joining us and thank you for listeners. Me. Make sure you stay tuned for Megan's chat with Nerf. Thanks so much. Do you want to be part of Breaking Banks Europe? Reach out and learn more about the opportunity to be featured in one of our shows. With over 1.6 million listeners and counting, Breaking Banks Europe is bound to become the place to advance critical dialogue in Europe and the UK fintech scene. Reach out on Instagram or Twitter at EU, or go to www.provoke.com dot fm
4: Welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. This is episode 112, which is all about niche banking. I am Megan Johnson, one of your co-hosts, uh, taking over part two of uh, this episode from Nina Mahanti. Um, and as promised, part two is going to speak to one of the founders uh, of one of these incredible niche banks. Um, and in the birthday episode, we actually mentioned Nerve, so it's really excited to to get Nerve on. Uh, and hear what they're up to why playing in this niche baking space is so important and how they're looking to make the lives of artists um, much easier so big welcome to john Wach, co-founder of nerve thank you so much for joining us today john
3: hey, thank you excited to be here
4: Great. So um, for our listeners who may have never heard of um, Nerve, uh, what's the elevator pitch? What, what are you looking to do? And I guess kind of what's the background, how did you become involved in launching a bank for artists? Are you an artist? Were you a banker? Uh,
3: All those questions, right? Um, Yeah. So um, I I can start from the end first or from the beginning first, which is uh, uh, I'm, I, when, I went to school to Chicago in in Chicago uh, as a liberal arts school, and um, almost instantly, this was in the nineties. Almost instantly, I became friends with some pretty well known DJs, and to be honest, it looked really easy. So I thought maybe <laughs> I could I could do that and pay my way through school, um, and I learned two things that have been pretty much constant in my life for the last, you know, 20 something years. Uh, first of all, I'm not a good DJ. Uh, and, and the second one was even at that time, it was really challenging for uh, for me to get a bank account for that business. Yep. And uh, um, yeah, just a, a, a check-in account. It was, uh, it was impossible. <laughs> and, uh, and, and to be quite frank, it's, it's still that difficult today. Um, but, but we're, uh, um, uh what ultimately ended up happening was i i became kind of obsessed with with music that was recorded but never actually released by artists who were who were kind of lost to time and my hope at, at you know in the in the mid-late 90s was i could kind of stockpile these acetates and reels and one day the um the world would get small enough where i could actually connect the dots between who who recorded this material and and you know who owned the stuff and and help them make money and uh, uh so so anyway that that's been a passion project of mine for for quite a while so you know life went on in around 2005 or so I got into fintech and um and and enjoyed you know the last whatever that is 18 years or so in in financial technology um primarily you know, building products and uh, uh, leading R&D and, uh, and UX initiatives. And then what, What um, you know, this whole time, though, I, I've had a couple of record labels with some other um, uh, business partners where we are effectively kind of matching up, finding these artists and helping them make money on their asset. Um, and, and it's just been a, a labor of love. There's... <laughs> there's no money in it on, on my side. It's a money losing proposition for me, but, but it's, uh, but ultimately, you know, we, we help these artists make some money. And so what, what nerve is, is nerve is just um, the combination of these two passions, you know, the passion of, um, of, of helping, helping creators uh, uh, create these and maintain sustainable businesses. Um, And then, and then the power of You know, using using the power of financial technology to to uh, to create kind of um, an accessibility uh, to the banking system and and to uh, to finances that that uh, that doesn't currently exist for for creators.
4: Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, congratulations on, you know, finally being able to go back to your your first passion. I think everyone, you know, when, when they're finished with uni, they're like, oh, you know, I want to do this, but then they have to pay the bills. And (laughs) <laughs> yes, so great that it all comes full circle. Um, that's really interesting. So, I mean, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research um, into fintech, bank, and kind of broader tech offerings into the creative space. So, you know, we're we're not just seeing like uh, new kind of neo banks for broad creatives. We're seeing like niche propositions within niche banking. So we see Carrot, which is focused towards like very, very, very uh, established influencers. Um, Also in this space, we have like Indify, Beatbread. Um, We see some propositions for photographers. And what I really like is that like, this is the first time I think I'm starting to see like proper relevant services for the customers being integrated into a bank account so it's not just a debit card a credit card some savings pots so what are some of the features that Nerv has that kind of go beyond um banking for musicians
3: yeah you you know um one of the i i guess when when you know, I, the the question behind your question, perhaps that 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 I think a lot of people have is is <laughs> uh, why 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 so you know why take a focus and you know make that aperture so tight why why is there why are we you know why are you focusing on on such a um, you know an industry of fifteen million or so uh, creators instead of the fifty million plus you know in the general creator economy or even broader. Um, we always, you know, I, I think anytime you start anywhere, you need to start, you you actually have to solve problems. And that's ultimately what your question is. What, what are the problems that are so specific to music that maybe don't exist in other genres? Right. And, 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 and so in my opinion, whenever you start too broad, you never actually solve the real problems. Instead, what you end up doing is kind of, you know, offering that solution, looking for a problem, the old slap that we love to talk about. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so so when we look at, um, you know, our initial focus, which is, of course, music, um, we had to you know, we we have to we have to look at what those what what are those issues with banking? The first one. To be, you know, I, I kind of kicked it off is is is. If, if I'm a if I'm a musician today and I want to treat my and, and I should and I want to treat my livelihood or my 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 passion as a business, um, that necessarily means I cannot run my life through a payments app. Uh, when I run my life or several payments app, when I, when I run my financial life that way, I end up running into tax issues. Uh, maybe maybe I've paid uh, uh, certain expenses to session artists, session musicians, or what have you uh through Venmo and I forget to cull those at the end of the year and I don't get to take credit for it, you know, all the way up to much bigger issues. But those those types of 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 um of of challenges occur because if I go and try to get a traditional bank account, the bank necessarily wants me to be a, a business that has five employees. Yeah. Of that course. has a lot of fee income that it can yeah. drive for the institution. And the and the underlying components of that are 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 you know the bank has uh, infrastructure costs and branch costs and all of those other costs that ultimately add up and they need a way to, to pay for it. So so what that necessarily means is as a as an artist I I go to the bank and I say cool I, you know whether I'm in person or, or digitally I, I want a I want a business checking account and they say oh yeah you know we'll help you out just give us your uh, Give us, you know, this paperwork, uh, you know, articles of incorporation, secretary of state, EIN, uh, uh, a year analysis, whatever. Um, <laughs> give us give us all this stuff. And um, uh, and then, oh, by the way, you know, we're going to need thirty five hundred dollars a month on deposit. Yeah. And we're going to if we don't do that, then we'll charge you fifteen dollars a month. And so and so that's the reason why all these creators effectively go to these payment apps. Mm-hmm. And, and so we said, well, first thing we need to do is just solve the very simple, make it super easy and fast to, to open a business, uh, checking savings account. So we do that inside of about 20 seconds. So when that's you, fast. We,
4: that's really, it's fast, really freaking
3: fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, there's, I, I, I'm really, really proud of, <laughs> of the mechanisms that we built. Uh, um, but, um, you know, like my background, I mean, in 2006, I created, I, I, and my team created uh, one of the first digital account opening tools for for banks and, and credit unions in the country, mm-hmm. and and so we, we we have a lot of experience in yeah. this space. My partner and I have been working together in this space for for nearly seventeen years, tied at the hip. Wow. So this is you know it's a lot of the the stuff, whether it's uh, lending or or um, or onboarding, is kind of you know we're, we're very familiar with the tools and the, the trade and. What, what should be done thanks to 11fs actually we studied a lot of the a lot of the stuff that you guys have put out i want to say was it is it called pulse what was the online system uh where i was able yeah. to kind of do like netflix for uh for yes, usability pulse.
4: pulse was my baby i i built pulse before i left yet so i, I love that
3: product yeah. that was a great product that was yeah. incredible uh yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's still, if it's still around, but that was a, that was, that was awesome. I certainly, uh, anyway, uh, thank you for that. Um, But at any rate, (laughs) uh, it's definitely, that's definitely a a level of FinTech nerd that must be inside of you to create that product. Uh, But, but now I'm I'm, going to turn the show. I have
4: have onboarding journeys like forever ingrained (laughs) in my brain. I can like recall like probably about 50 different FinTechs end to end application journeys and functionalities. It's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but
3: yeah. it's a great thing. It's <laughs> a great thing. Um, but at, at any rate, so so we so we make it incredibly easy to, to open these accounts, right? And so so after you download the app, you know, as I mentioned, it's twenty or thirty seconds, and then to turn on the savings account is less than a second. <clears throat> and um, and so so that's the first challenge, but but you know, so so then what? Um, so so you know when we talk to, talk to these guys. There's, there's another kind of overarching issue, which, you know, is, is a big one, not just in music, but it's elsewhere in creative is, is the number of streams, the payment streams is, yeah. um, is almost overwhelming. So
1: mm-hmm.
3: so if I'm just a musician starting out, I may get paid by five to 10 different um, places and the, those payment streams may not be very big. They may be small. Um, uh, but, um, and also they occur at different times during the year, some are monthly, some are quarterly, some are annually, some are every two years. Um, and, uh, uh, it's, it, you know, some depending upon the, the company, maybe weekly. Uh, but what that necessarily causes is confusion. You know, if, 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 a um, did a payment hit. What's the rationalization on it? Did it? Is it what it should be? All these sorts of questions. So we have um, we have some different uh, intelligence that we put in that uh, for the creator, but um, yeah. the uh, uh, and there's a, a number of different things that, that we do there to kind of help them, um, you know, help make that easier. Also, we have a we have a lot of like data that that we enhance the app with that's very specific to um, to this set that that otherwise is inaccessible to them or, uh, or other, or, or, or expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, we provide it free, uh, our entire product is free, uh, to the, to the music creator. And, and there are no fees, um, other than, you know, if you go to an outer network ATM, uh, we have about 55,000 ATMs, uh, that, that you can go to fee free. Uh, but, but the, 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 the big one that, that is a, um, it's actually quite a difficult challenge to solve. Uh, and and very very unique um, is is when when you're in music, it, music is a very collaborative
4: yeah.
3: um, medium, right? And uh, um, you know whether whether we're in a band together or maybe we we co-wrote a song uh, together, mm-hmm. and we did it once, and 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 that that song receives revenue ideally from mm-hmm. you know ASCAP or something like that, maybe from other sources where does that money go? Um, is, does it go into your account? And then I'm supposed to trust you with what the payments were? And then you have to provide me paperwork to show me how much or how little money it was. Or if we're in a band, um, I can't tell you the number of bands that have broken up over, <laughs> over money issues and infighting related to it and all the other stuff and or groups that have, that have had these issues. And so, you know, because music is inherently collaborative, but banking is totally not. Um, mm-hmm. we, we realized there's, there's a, there's a really weird challenge there. So, so we have a very unique, um, you know, a lot of like interesting sort of IP around, uh, the creation of, think of it as like a shared, well, they are shared accounts with, um, with, um, uh, so you can gen up a, a, a an FDIC insured account and bring in various people uh uh you know your bandmates your your songwriters what have you and then and then give them very easily uh a variety of permissions nice. um, you know megan we trust with a debit card but we saw what john did with one last time so he could just that's look good. at the money yeah. and and that's a um it's a very unique uh product uh part of the product feature and um and it's something that you know uh, that definitely amongst musicians has, has become uh, a big reason why, you know, they, they, they see, um, you know, aside from our user interface, aside from our user experience, um, and aside from our overall focus, they see that as, as just a, a, you know, a very um, uh, sort of really deep understanding of their lives and, um, and we're really proud of that. And, you know, uh, and, and, and so anyway, so that, that collaborative tool is, uh, you know, we, we call it collabs, uh, but, um, and it makes it really, really easy if you get paid as a band to then pay out your bandmates. Yeah, Of course. Um, there's a whole host of sort of use cases that jump off of that, but that's, those, you know, those are some first start. Those are, those are some ways that we solve those problems. Nice.
4: Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, the thing for me that really stood out was the the collapse. Um, I think that's super fantastic. And also that kind of um, managing, tracking the different kind of royalties and, and streams of revenue, um, you know, I think regardless of what type of creator you are, if you sit within this kind of more, you know, freelance type space, it's like, okay, I should be getting paid this amount at this time, but I'm probably not going to. So any kind of, you know, insights that can help you better prepare for, you know, when you have really good months and really bad months, I think that's, that's definitely super important. Um, I wanted to ask because I know that, like, thinking about another kind of area of financial services and banking that, you know, artists may have been, um, yeah, discriminated for in the past is, you know, if you think about an artist, they probably, I mean, probably, you know, only a handful have made it super big. When they're like really young, you know. But you always think of, you know, the struggling musician and everything. Sure. So, yeah. you know, perhaps they're more likely to have some debt. Um, you know, they're pursuing their passion, they may not have consistent kind of, um, you know, income and everything. Yep. So, how do you see perhaps yourselves in the future or some of your kind of peers helping artists? become like, you know, get on the credit ladder, access loans, um, you know, it may not be traditional loans, but something like, you know, buy now, pay later if they need to purchase new equipment or something. Um, because again, something that really stood out for me with Carrot is that they base their, um, credit limits based on the number of followers that the influencers have. So how do you see this kind of evolving for the, for the musicians?
3: Um, well, I want to be like, I I think this is where we differ from probably any, I I know we differ from any other creator or music focused product in the space. Um, I, I, I believe that, uh, that we should be an enabler of these products and services, not actually build these products and services. So, so if you think about, um, uh, um, carrot or uh, or a distributor who has to ultimately pay artists or a um, uh, um, name your company, a marketing company that helps artists, whatever. We have APIs, a set of APIs that um, we're bringing to market here within a few weeks that are publicly accessible by any company, whether it's an app company or, uh, or a very large company or startup or what have you, who can use our APIs to help facilitate instant payments um, uh, or instant advances or access, for instance, the balance of users, uh, transactional activity of users, if a user, of course, says that they want to share it. And that, that enables a whole host of use cases for anyone in the creator economy, not just music. Um, to utilize our uh, our our rails to um, to build really incredible experiences, offers, credit offers, et cetera, for users um, for for creators. So so while we have the base account and we have some really amazing services on the base account. We also presume that we can't create everything, nor do we want to. Yeah. And we know that there are some really amazing uh, uh, lending opportunities that already exist out there, Advance opportunities that exist. Mm-hmm. We want to create advances. We don't want to power, you know, we want to power it. So what we want to do is allow those advanced companies, the royalty advanced companies or whoever they may be, to lend their money. Yeah. But use our rails to get that money to the artists instantly, and to use our rails to um, to create really interesting services, whether it's uh, credit focused or otherwise. And uh, um, and so so, for instance, inside of our APIs, uh, companies will be able to easily um, e- allow artists to create nerve accounts inside of their own ecosystems, inside of their apps. Oh. Um, uh, they'll be able to, um, yeah, I mean, almost. You know, almost the artist may not ever have to come to our app, uh, unless, you know, if they want to, um obviously, you know, there may be some additional reasons that they would want to, but um, but given, you know, our 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 entire like modus operandi is, you know, how do we how do we empower these artists um with as many um uh, incredible options as possible to lead and grow their financial lives? And um and we believe that artists have been left out of uh, economic dignity as, in, as well as um, uh, you know, access because companies and people's egos get in the mix. And so we'd much rather just be those rails that help empower other companies uh, to create really brilliant products rather than us try to own everything ourselves.
4: Yeah, definitely. Okay, that sounds really exciting and I think a very, yeah, kind of sensible, innovative approach to take. Um, So I guess thinking about this... kind of sector within niche banking even the subsector so i mean the the creative economy is huge only expected to grow significantly um it's becoming like there's a lot of providers in this space. Um, you know, there's some in Indonesia and Singapore. We have some in the UK and Europe. Um, what do you think it, it will take to succeed um, in this increasingly saturated space for, yeah, neobanks and fintechs looking to, um, yeah, service the creative community?
3: It's funny. I, 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 uh, I wish I could credit this quote effectively. I, I literally read it yesterday. Um, but you know, all you have to do is create products that people want and uh, and treat your customers with the respect they deserve you uh, and, and solve yeah. the problem um you know i mean that's that's really what i think it takes right is it is it takes um you know in, first of all creators in general the the opportunity is um yes it's it's it, it, you know it's large because creators have been um, by and large left out. And um, and so, you know, keeping a focus on, uh, you know, um, on on what their needs are and what their challenges are, solving those challenges um, in uh, in in ways that uh, that benefit them. I mean, you know, we don't we don't make money off the creator. We make we make our money through the rails that I just talked about, through the, you know, providing entities and companies with a uh cheaper faster access point so they win uh and we win right uh and the, ultimately the creator wins because they get all this amazing stuff um and so so i you know anytime you can find where those you know win win-win win or win win wins are um you know that's 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 necessarily the right mix um it's not easy but and and there you know to your point there <laughs> There are, there, there, I think, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies operating in a space uh, because um, because the opportunity is as big as it is, yeah. and um, and that's that's a that's a that's uh, that's it's uh, you know the other day I was on a podcast and effectively I said you know if if bankers had just actually paid attention to these creators we wouldn't have to do any of this yeah, stuff. Yeah,
1: exactly. And
3: and it's a damn shame that we even have our jobs, to be honest. Um but uh uh but I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to you know help you know be part of that change um through the process.
4: Yeah well I think it's much needed. I mean I ask, I. I kind of something that really stuck with me when you kind of said, you know, the amount of bands that like split up because of financial and these kind of issues. I think like, I don't know, something that just kind of popped into my head was that, you know, your bank is keeping or your um, banking proposition is helping to keep bands together. So I yeah. think that's... uh I mean, if that's not a huge customer job for musicians, then <laughs> I don't know what is. Um, yeah, I guess my last question is: what's what does the future hold um, for Nerve? What what can we look forward to? Um, where do you see yourself um, in maybe three five years in, in terms of the, the proposition?
3: I think I think you'll you know at some point here you'll see us expand uh, outside of uh, of music and solve other problems for other creators. Um, but you know, our primary knitting is again, the rails that i talked about and, uh, partnering with as many different companies as possible to enable everything from, uh, from, you know, faster payments, instant payments to, um, and instant credit and those types of things to enabling, um, uh, uh, found royalties for, for artists who are never credited, um, you know, there's a lot of companies working on that problem. And, um, and the question that I'm always left with is, is where does that money go once you actually credit them? And mm-hmm. we'd love to, to, to help facilitate that. So, um, so anyway, there's, you know, there's a hundred million plus, uh, uh, creators out there. There's, um, uh, it's, it's growing, thankfully. Yeah. I think, I think as well, what we're going to see is, um, is we're going to see a, a stronger push towards, um, uh, a broader demographic in the creator economy which mm-hmm. is excellent uh, yeah. i think you know there's been you know a lot of data around like for instance youtube creators primarily being white males because of the access in you know to internet and uh, all of the costs of the microphones and everything else mm-hmm. Um, and you know and you're starting to see some really interesting companies create interesting products to help solve that and increase uh, uh the voices of the creators so yes. thankfully the, the the economy itself is only growing and yeah. and getting more powerful and it uh you know we intend to help enable that um mm-hmm. along the way
4: Cool. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today and, yeah, sharing uh, a bit more about NERV and, yeah, what brought you to create this and what problems you're looking to solve. It's, yeah, I mean, I'm almost tempted now to kind of change careers and become a musician (laughs) if I had a musical bone in my body because I'd love to, yeah, (laughs) I'd love to have a banking experience that's, like, that much tailored to my needs. I mean, I think, Yeah, it's super exciting. And I think, you know, even if we just look broader at the kind of freelance self-employed market, I mean, I've been freelancing for four years now and I mean, we've been underserved and I mean, there's plenty of interesting propositions that are like helping us with taxes and everything, but Taking it one step further, I think, for creators and, and artists, it's um, long overdue and very important. So um, okay. all the best to you. And where can our listeners find out more about um, Nerve?
3: Just go to Nerve.pro. Uh, I know it's a weird URL, isn't it? Uh, but there <laughs> is a such thing as a .pro. Nerve.pro, N-E-R-V-E.pro. And, uh, yeah, there's a link there. Download the app. You know, get that app, man. Uh, open up an account and uh, share it with your friends.
4: Nice. Thank you. Can I, I have one, one last question. I promise. Where did the name come from? <laughs>
3: uh, well, we hired a multi-million-dollar branding firm to come up with it. Nice. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, unfortunately, there's no fun story. Okay. It's just, it, to be, to be quite frank, we thought it was a great name and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it kind of goes along with the fact like who would ever have the nerve to build a to build a bank for musicians.
4: Okay. I
1: love
3: it. <laughs> so it's, we did.
4: Don't forget it, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> well thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
4: Okay, super. Thank you so much again, um, John. Thank and you. thank you to our listeners. This was Breaking Banks Europe episode 112. Um everything to do with niche banking. So thank you again and it's a wrap.